I'm Maggie Ortlieb from Veg Out Magazine, and I'm with Sean from SoFlow Vegan. Hey, everybody, welcome to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm your host, Sean Russell. And on this episode, we have Maggie Ortlib from Veg Out Magazine joining us. I love these episodes because I get to pick our guest's brain to figure out how we can continue growing SoFlow Vegan. So you get a lot of that in this episode, some really great conversations. Of course, we always talk about my favorite subject, compassion in the vegan community and the world in general. So exciting episode make sure you listen all the way through because at the end we have another vegan song and i want to keep it a little surprise if you read the show notes you probably already know what it is but just in case you didn't be ready it's dope and this episode is brought to you by seed food and wine it is coming up at the time of this recording we are excited about getting to go back to seed this year of course 2020 they like most of the events in the country were mia they're back and we're excited to be a part of the festivities so if you are in the south florida area or plan to visiting make sure you use code soflow vegans 20 to receive 20 percent off your tickets on the burger battle the seat summit the tasting village as well as the brunch on sunday so go to seedfoodandwine.com for more information and welcome back to the soflow vegans podcast i'm sean russell and today we have a special guest we have maggie ortlieb from veg out thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me I'm so excited to speak to you because if you listen to some if, listeners, I'm talking to you. If you listen to some of the past episodes, I tend to light up when I'm around people who are in the media space because that's a space that I've lived in almost my entire life. So to pick the brain of someone who's in this vegan community and doing really cool big things that we eventually want to be able to do, it is a blessing. So thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited so to talk to you. So the first thing that I want to do is find out your vegan origin story. And the reason we ask this question is it in, it, in hopes of it inspiring our listeners that, hey, I can do this. That this person has been vegan for however long they've been vegan or they've gone through. So everyone's story is different. So what is your vegan origin story? Yeah, so my origin story started... Well, it started when I was a kid. I actually went vegetarian when I was 12 years old. Um, growing up in the Midwest, I'm originally from Michigan. Now I live in Los Angeles. But uh, I was inspired to go vegetarian by my cousin, who was also vegetarian at the time. And she really enlightened me on how cruel it was to eat meat. And it's funny because before that moment, um, I had always, I'd always kind of known this internally, but I had never really, um, I've never really explored, you know, why do we eat animals? And then at 12 years old, I really started questioning it and I decided to go vegetarian. Um, and then what followed was really cool. My brother went vegetarian. Uh, and then a few years later, my other brother went vegan. My mom went vegan. Um, so it became kind of a family, family affair. And uh, by my mom going vegan, she just started cooking more, more vegan. I, I would say it was like 90% plant-based vegan. Um, 
for years leading up to going full on. And then when I was about 20, 21, I went overseas. I went to New Zealand for a summer to be an au pair on a dairy farm. And so I was uh, watching after kids uh, during the day. But then one morning, uh, the, my host dad asked me if I could come help milk the cows. And I had never milked a cow in my life. So I thought, that sounds like an experience. You know, I'm here to soak up the culture and get the most out of this trip. So I'll really do anything. Um, I went to milk the cows that morning. And firsthand, having that experience is what turned me vegan on the spot. Um, well, actually, I, I continued drinking milk after that just because it was kind of a funny story. My host mom, I told her I was vegan. Uh, she was like, great, I'll buy you soy milk. She she started buying skim milk because she thought it was the soy milk at the store. And I didn't want to be rude at the time, you know, so I, I, I drank the skim milk um, quietly. And then when I got back to the U.S., I just went 100% in. Uh, but it was really that experience of seeing the cows and what they go through um, and realizing they don't like this. This isn't this isn't fun for them. Uh, they're miserable. They're sick. They're infected. And then they go get slaughtered after they're, you know, deemed unworthy of producing milk for our benefit, which isn't even, you know, as you know, it's not even for our benefit. But um, that's a whole nother story. But that, that's really it was an evolution. So it wasn't just like I watched a documentary and went vegan. It was really this journey um, of kind of stepping into it. And I'm sure that your family members going vegan also helped in your resolve or maybe not like, what was that like? Because I know when I went vegan for the first time, my mom also joined me on the journey and I saw the benefits for her. And that kind of made me like double down on what I'm doing. Now she since has gone back to eating fish and a couple of other meat products, but still that was huge for me. So like what effect did that have on you? Yeah, it really, I saw my mom doing it and um, she was, she was a writer at the time. So she was actually early on writing for vegetarian magazines and reviewing cookbooks. Uh, this was probably like 15 years ago now. And so um, she got pretty involved in the community right away and, and just would, you know, send articles my way and have me read different things. And she was really the inspiration uh, and the driving force behind it. Um, it's actually pretty funny. I remember she paid my younger brother $50 if he would go vegan for like two weeks, but it worked. He's been vegan like 12 years now. So, oh, um, <laughs> so, so she was really the driving force, but it, it, it just made it so much easier. She was cooking plant-based. Like there was a point where she didn't bring any animal products into the house. You know, if my dad wanted chicken or whatever, a burger, he would get it at a restaurant, but, um, or if he wanted to go shopping himself and cook it himself, but she, she wouldn't prepare any animal products. And so I think it was just, it was made it a lot easier for the entire family versus I know some people who are alone in their journey. Um, it's gotta be a lot more difficult making the transition. So we talked about your origins in terms of veganism. So let's talk about your origins in terms of media and, and, and enter entertainment. Like how did you first get that bug? Yeah, I've always been interested in media. I remember being a little kid and having stacks of magazines in my room and just going through them, being so inspired by, uh, you know, the visuals and the writing and just being very creative as, as a young kid and actually thinking to myself, it'd be really cool to work for one of these big fashion magazines when I'm older. And then uh, it's interesting because that, that happened and then I think I kind of forgot about that. 
went to school, got into, you know, went to college for marketing, creative advertising, came out to California, was planning to work for an ad agency, ended up getting a job in an accounting firm. So something completely different, but I was doing marketing. And at the same time, I, you know, I was pretty new to LA. I've been here now seven years, but I was just in my spare time trying to hit up as many vegan events as I could, looking for the best restaurants. But I was also struggling because even though we had some okay resources, they weren't 100% vegan. So I was using LA Weekly, I was using Eater, I was using um, Time Out, these different sources, Yelp even. But I was I was finding it frustrating that they weren't curated to plant-based eaters. And they also um, sometimes would show results for vegetarian vegan restaurants that the restaurants didn't even end up being that great. And I really, I knew that if I was having this issue, other people were having this issue. And so I started an Instagram page and a little blog and I would just tell people the best spots, you know, as I would discover them, um, that they could go in Los Angeles. And so it really just started, I didn't, I didn't think, oh, I want to have a company. I want to have a magazine. I'm going to start it. It was really just fulfilling this need. And it grew as I went. Um, and then we, you know, a couple years ago expanded, we gradually expanded into other cities. And then a couple years ago, we launched the print magazine. And then we went nationwide last year. So now we can bring it to people across the US. Well, first of all, congratulations on going nationwide. I'm sure you put a lot Thank of you. work, you and your team put a lot of work into getting to that point. So um, more of a personal question, at what point did you feel you were ready to start expanding into other areas? Yeah, um, that's a tough one because it's like, do we expand and spread ourselves thin um, possibly, or do we wait until we're ready um, and then expand, you know, build it up in LA and then expand. And we kind of did both. So it's really interesting looking back at the evolution of Veg Out and how in the beginning we, <laughs> I, not a lot of people know this, but so I, I started the LA branch and then my mom was still living in Michigan. Now she's in Los Angeles, but she was still living in Michigan. So she's like, we need this in our hometown, Kalamazoo, Michigan, pretty small town in, in Michigan. And so um, pretty small city. So she just started writing articles. I was like, mom, we can't start it in Kalamazoo. There aren't any fully vegan restaurants. People aren't going to be interested. She just started like telling people about all the vegan options in our hometown and like really amped it up and like grew this audience in my hometown, which was incredible um, and hilarious. And I was doing the same in Los Angeles. And then she wanted to expand to Indianapolis, which was like where she was born. And so she started kind of like growing it herself, even though it was my company. Um, she just was like, I'm going to do it. This is great. This is a good idea. And so she kind of started growing. But then at some point I was like, okay, we really need to focus and make sure that we build a strong foundation before we just like, go mad by like spreading ourselves too thin. So then we kind of scaled back, really focused on Los Angeles, launched the LA print magazine, built up the social media. Um, and once we had a good model that could be replicated, that's when we were like, which markets should we step into next? Chicago, New York were obvious choices, San Francisco, some of the big cities um, that have a, a need for this. And I mean, every city has a need for this, but the ones that had a vegan community, vegan culture. So it was really, we started spreading thin. We started expanding in the beginning, scaled back, you know, got stronger and then expanded again. So it was kind of a learning experience and, and you know, um, and up and down like that. But 
it's interesting. I don't know if there's a right time to expand. I think there's ways that you can expand where it's very low risk. So we started the Instagram pages for other cities way before we were really ready to like dive into those cities. And so it was a way to just gradually let people know we existed. Um, and then once we, you know, launched the nationwide magazine, we let people know that we have city specific Instagram pages, and then they were able to go follow for their city. So if you're in Chicago, you can follow, you know, budget Chicago. And so that was kind of how we like gradually got into these cities. So I was looking at your website, first of all, beautiful website. I love the way that it's structured and how you have everything. So thank you. when on your website, like, for people who are tuning in, maybe they've heard of Veg Out. What exactly is Veg Out? What do you do for these different cities? Yeah, um, good question. So, so yeah, we're a vegan media company, and we have a print magazine, an online publication, and then a social media presence. We produce content, primarily articles of uh, highlighting vegan culture, restaurants, health and beauty. We really started as a food guide, so it was you know, dining out. And then it was store-bought products you could buy at the grocery store. And then we've really since expanded into vegan culture in general. So celebrity news, um, health and beauty, fashion, lifestyle. And um, it's interesting because before the pandemic, it was all, it was, I would say like 90% restaurant focused. Then during the pandemic, when restaurants had to close down temporarily and a lot, like, you know, a few went out of business, and they were struggling, we obviously still covered that, um, take out whatever options were available. We also had to kind of shift our focus and cover things people could buy at the store and prepare at home. Uh, so our, our content has evolved, but our mission has stayed the same. And that really is connecting people um, who are looking for plant-based options with companies and brands who offer these options. And that's really why I started the company. I found there wasn't there wasn't a middleman. People were doing amazing things over here as businesses, entrepreneurs, small businesses, uh, even some of the larger ones. But they weren't marketing that they had these amazing vegan offerings. And then consumers were over here looking for these offerings, but they had no idea about them. And so we connect the two. And that's what we've always done. Uh, the The articles and the Instagram posts and the videos we do are just really a, a vehicle, um, a tool to make that happen. And when did you start Veg Out? I started about six years ago now. And that's when I that's when I just very casually started the Instagram page and the blog. It didn't really become a company until I left my full-time job at the accounting firm. That's when it really took off. So that was about three years ago now. I, I'm I'm loving this conversation because I'm seeing like so many parallels in and what 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 I, what we're creating over here. So it's it's refreshing to see someone who's gotten obviously the journey's still going and there's the ladder and the mountain is everlasting. But um, mm -hmm. it's it's refreshing to see that you know putting in this work and pulling people together and having a mission that's focused on connecting people. You know, it's possible. And that there are people out there, we get to connect with each other to, you know, tell these stories and let people know that this is something that can happen. So with everything that you've been doing um, with Veg Out, what are some of the challenges that you faced in communicating to a vegan and a future vegan audience? 
Yeah, I think the challenge is um, one of the biggest challenges is we we do get a lot of backlash for some of the stuff we post about um, from the vegan community. Um, and I find that I, I love the vegan community. I'm very involved in it, obviously. But I find that sometimes when you've gone vegan or like have been vegan for years, you forget what it's like to not be vegan and to be interested in a vegan lifestyle and to be transitioning into a vegan lifestyle. And um, you know, there's a lot of backlash of like, why do you post these big, pro like big brands, these corporations, these different things. And so it's kind of, it was figuring out who our audience was and who we wanted to focus on and where we can make the biggest impact. And that was to me from the beginning, that has been my friends and people out there who might be interested in a plant-based lifestyle, but don't know where to start. Don't really have much information. And we're really a resource for those people. Obviously, a lot of our audience and readers are vegan and we love them to death. And they really are driving force and I'm forever thankful. Um, but focusing on those non-vegans is really how we, as a, as a movement, will create change. So I think the struggle can be, I mean, just building a business, as you know, like a, is a struggle. But really figuring out who your audience is and who you're speaking to can take some time um, to really get that right. And then defining yourself as a brand. I think um, uh, it can be, it can be, it can be challenging to really, really create a community and define yourself as a brand. And then along with that becomes responsibility. Um, when you're publishing articles as a media company with a platform, it, it's just, that was a quick, that was a learning process for me of, you know, we have a responsibility. It's not, it's not just talking about vegan products. It is really having a platform and people look up to you, people you don't know. It's not like your mom is the one just reading all the articles. It's like, there are people across the world, across the country, reading what you're publishing on the internet. And along with that comes responsibility. And in the past, like, you know, everyone makes mistakes. We've published things that were inaccurate and then handling how to, you know, handling that backlash, handling that, and so just learning how to, anytime you put yourself out in the pub, you know, public eye, there's always criticism and just learning how to navigate that, I think is one of the biggest challenges of having a media company. And you can probably relate. Um, but then there's also all the struggles of just building a business and being a female entrepreneur and, and all of those things as well. And what sort of support are, what sort of support have you received? Because I can imagine, you know, I can imagine like there's not a lot of people in this space specifically that you can go to and have a conversation with. But what support have you received maybe in terms of mentorship, you know, whatever the situation is? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, I've met a lot of great people through the vegan community and just the entrepreneurial community who you know, it's so refreshing having conversations with people who are kind of going through the same thing you're going through. And that's really nice. I can't say I have a mentor precisely, but I will say that my mom, who is the one who kind of started the company with me, has been what keeps me going. Because even if I feel like quitting, she's like, no, we're doing this. And then if she feels like quitting, I'm like, no, we're doing this. And now she's my managing editor. So as I mentioned earlier, she's always been a writer her entire life. And so it's just a natural fit to have her be my managing editor. 
she does an amazing job, but she really, it, it's, um, I thought it might be a struggle to work with a family member and it definitely brings its challenges, but she has really been my rock when things get hard and has been, um, the most amazing, you know, she's, she's not ver- well-versed in business necessarily, uh, but she is in life. And, and I feel like a lot of that also applies to business. So she's been great. And then I also have an awesome support network with friends as well as like people who support veg out my accountant, my web team, you know, um, they're just great resources as far as like growing a business and helping us, you know, meet our goals. And we, we do all the, the fun stuff on the outside and then they really are kind of the foundation of what keeps us going. And, I think that's beautiful that you have this relationship with your mom. And just in the short time that I've been speaking with you, she's, it seems like she's obviously being your mom, but she's played (laughs) a a significant role in this journey that you have. And then being able to have at least one person in your corner that is, you know, super passionate about what you're creating. Cause I know speaking for myself, sometimes, and this is the human condition. This is not like unique to what we're doing, but just sometimes you feel like you're alone in these sort of situations, no matter if you're surrounded by a lot of people. So I think it's great exactly. that you have this, this support network. Um, in terms of the, the business itself, um, you know, you sometimes when you're in the thick of it, you know, you're like you're a tree in the forest and you don't see all of the success or the wins that you don't get time to really celebrate that. So let's take a moment and what's a moment in time that happened for Veg Out that you were like super appreciative of like something that you were like, wow, this is great. May have passed real quickly, but what's one of those situations for you? Yeah. So there are two that come to mind and one of them is getting into Whole Foods, getting the magazine into Whole Foods nationwide was huge for me. And that happened about a year ago. Um, and it happened on the first try. So that was like such Um, a blessing. It, it was, it, it was, great news for me and my company, but also for the vegan movement, because it really showed me that this is something people want. And that plant based is now it's the future, it's growing industry. Um, So that was huge. And that's what's so great about our success is it just means that the vegan movement is also successful, um, and vice versa. And so the second thing was a couple years ago, and it was a little more personal, it wasn't necessarily veg out company related, but also everything I do is kind of company related. Um, I was invited to a dinner party from uh, true food kitchen, which is their chain, but they have a couple locations in Los Angeles. They have some in Chicago, um, across the country, but they're not hundred percent vegan, vegan friendly. Anyway, we get invited to a lot of these events and I got an email invite. I didn't really think much of it. I was actually living in Orange County with my mom at the time, like right after I quit my accounting job trying to save money. So it was a pretty big commute to get to this dinner. I wasn't really feeling like going out in public and I wasn't feeling like being social. Um, And in the email, it just said, you know, very special guests will be at the dinner. And I was like, okay, like maybe the founder of um, True Food Kitchen will be there. And that would actually be pretty exciting because I geek out when I meet other founders. Um, It's it like makes me so happy. But I was like, okay, I went with my, my friend and we went to this dinner and then Oprah showed up and I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, what? And I almost didn't come. So my my friend's like nudging me. Is that Oprah? I'm like, yes, that's Oprah. Like why she's in the room with, with us. Like, this is crazy. Um, 
And, and, and that was like, right after I quit my job, I was feeling pretty down. I was kind of like, should I quit my full-time job? Should I be doing this? Should I have taken the leap? Should I have whatever? And I'm a firm believer that coincidences do not exist and that you get these messages from the universe um, when you need them. And so the fact that Oprah was there, I was like, okay, this is not a coincidence. Like I was just having doubts. I was struggling to find my own apartment in LA because no one was going to approve me without, you know, a steady paycheck and income. Um, and so I was just having a down time in my life and uh, having self doubts. And so Oprah's there. Um, she's a special guest because she had like a farm that uh, her like produce was used in the dinners uh, or the sorry, in some of the it was, it was a partnership with True Food Kitchen. So it was used in some of the meals that they, they would prepare. And um, so everyone's like talking, whatever. There's name cards laid out on the tables. And there were two, two sets of uh, tables lined up. So we take our seats. And halfway through the dinner, Oprah comes and sits next to me. Like she switched tables. And so I literally sat right next to Oprah and had dinner. And it was the craziest experience of my life. And I got to talk to her. And then there was just a few things she said that night that really stuck with me as an entrepreneur in the media world, um, that anytime I'm having doubts and anytime I feel like quitting, I always go back to that night because hearing it from Oprah, I'm like, I cannot quit. Like this, this was meant to be, and I have to grow this company and I have to do this to create that impact, um, to help other people. So it was it was pretty cool. And what, and what she said, I'll tell you what she said. She yeah, said, yeah. and it, it was, it was advice from Maya Angelou. So it wasn't, you know, she said that she was also in kind of a tough spot and was at, at the time when she was talking to Maya and was saying, you know, I, I just want to like build this school for girls in Africa and have that be my legacy and all these big things I'm doing. And, um, Maya Angelou told her that the impact and, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't know exactly um, the wording precisely, but she said, you know, your legacy isn't that one big thing you do. So for her, it wasn't building that school. And for me, it's not having the magazine, but it's the impact you have every single day on every person you interact with. So for me, it could be, you know, that conversation I had yesterday that inspired someone to go vegan or just being nice to someone who's having a hard day or saying hello when you're taking a walk, you know, instead of just putting your headphones in and looking down. So that really stuck with me. And that's what keeps me going, even when things are tough. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see the Oprah <laughs> thing coming. And then she sat next to you. It's like, oh, okay, this is getting better. Um, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like, that's an amazing battery to have in your back pocket to be like, okay, things are dealt. My Oprah conversation. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Um, exactly. And what's crazy, <laughs> she probably doesn't even remember me. She doesn't realize how big of an impact she had on me. You know, it's like, it's crazy to think about, you can meet someone and have a huge impact on them and you don't even know. And I'm talking about her on a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's just, you have impact like that on people that you don't even, you don't even know. And and that's, and that, you know, I don't know how many people have heard this, but I grew up with the golden rule of like treat others the way you want to be treated. And it's just like, there's a lot of validity to that because it's like you never know what that kind like you just said what that kind word is going to mean for someone it may be just the right thing at the right time that takes them to 10 20 years down the road where they're inspiring other people and sharing that one interaction they had with you that you already forgot about so exactly that's, that's amazing and now what i want to talk about a little bit is 
when you are creating something like this and deciding to go into magazine, into this magazine space, what were some of what was some of the advice or some of the things that you maybe were coming up against? And how did you get past that? Because I know the magazine space is really hard right now. Like what how did you maneuver through that? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people said, um, why are you doing print? Print is dead. Print is so like 2000. Um, it's old school. And I just was like, print may be old school, but I feel like it's not for the vegan community. I feel like having a hard copy resource for people who might want to transition to veganism, something you can actually hand someone, cause you can send someone a link and say, go to this URL, check out, you know, these plant-based products, whatever. They might look at the link, but if you give someone a magazine, they're probably going to take a look at it. Even if they don't take a look at it, they're going to set it on their table and someone else might walk in their house, see that. And so it just was something I knew we needed to do. Um, and that was, that was a big thing though. Print is hard. It's really expensive right now to print. Uh, it's not the most eco-friendly. Um, but I just thought that the benefits outweighed the, the negative components of print. And, um, that was one thing we had to consider too, you know, with our audience. No, we're not an eco-friendly magazine, but along with veganism, a lot of people are conscious about, you know, what they consume and, and the environment. And we are too, as a publication. Um, so I wanted to do it in the most eco-friendly way possible. But I really did think having something physical that you can leave with someone, you can send them a subscription in the mail, you can someone's just passing the magazine rack at, you know, at a grocery store and picks it up, looks at it. It doesn't look, it doesn't scream vegan, but they might flip it open and then realize, wow, all of this is plant-based. You know, every time I give it to a non-vegan friend and they look through it, they say, oh, this, mm -hmm. this looks, all this food looks amazing. And we're kind of winning people over with the, the eye candy, the food that just looks great. Um, and they don't even know is vegan. So that was definitely a challenge in the magazine space is the print component. And then also just a digital component um, with any media company, uh, as you probably face, is growing an audience. That takes time. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think a lot of people uh, think it does or think they're going to go viral or want it just to explode. But we have just organically grown our audience over the last six years. And we're not huge we're not this vogue yet um but yeah. but in doing it that way you have you have control and you um you're you're building a really authentic community versus just paying a bunch of money for i don't know adwords or facebook ads and um those tools are great but i think you want to make sure that your audience is who you want to be following you versus just random people who don't actually care but um i don't know you like incentivize them how to follow you so authentically growing a community um is challenging and with that no one's going to pay you for advertising advertising your media site if you don't have an audience so for years like the first through i mean first three or four years we didn't make any money or barely made any money so it was literally doing this work for free every single day and not knowing if it was going to work out and not getting paid for the work I was doing, but just having this greater vision of, I can really see this being something. And that is what kept me going every single day. Um, 
and and I've been self-funded. So, and I'm still self-funded and I'm hundred percent owner. So fine. Like the financial side is, has always been a struggle, but, uh, getting people to invest in your company when you don't have an audience, it's, it's really kind of like that chicken and the egg thing. It's like, you can't keep going without financial support, but no one's going to support you if you don't have an audience. Like, so I think building a media company is especially difficult compared to other types of business models. Um, and I think people who do it really have that vision and like, just really are passionate about what they're doing. Any entrepreneur should be passionate about what they're doing. But I think especially in the magazine, the publication, the podcast business, it's like you have to enjoy what you're doing and you have to be passionate about the content. Whew. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah, I, like that's that's like, <laughs> you know, um, I resonate with everything that you just said. We're still in that process where we're, 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 we're I'm finally seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. But it is a, a lot of work that I get to do that I'm excited to do. So like if anyone's listening to this and you're launching a podcast, you're getting something started off the ground, you know, this is definitely something that if you keep at it, because the good thing about consistency, and this is for anything, is that you become, you sharpen your blade, you know, you become better at what it is that you're creating. And then you look at, like, even look at the, I always use the Simpsons as an example. It's like, you look at the first season or two of the Simpsons, it's like the idea is there, but it's really rough. Yeah. And then you just keep doing it and doing it. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so we're going to start winding down the, the conversation. But what I do mm -hmm. want to know from you is during those times when, you know, the first, maybe first three couple of years of Veg Out, how did you enroll the community to become a part of what you were creating? You know, our, how did you find that support to get you to that point where you were ready to turn it into a full-fledged business? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, we started here in Los Angeles because that's where I was living. And at the time, I think I was pretty lucky because it was, um, I mean, I'm a hard worker, but I also feel like I came into the scene at the right time and onto social media at the right time. This was about six years ago. and. Um, now I feel like social media can pretty, be pretty oversaturated, but at the time there were influencers and there were other people doing things, talking about products, but there wasn't really a vegan media company on social media doing what we were doing. And so I think, um, I think how we were doing it, what we were doing was just different from what other people were doing and people liked it. And so I didn't even have to, I, I did spend endless I spent so many hours just on my phone on Instagram, like growing it. And I would like go through and comment on people's stuff. And like, I was on Instagram 24 seven, it was ridiculous. Um, so I definitely put in the work, but people also really gravitated toward the idea and just started following. And it really took off on Instagram. And then from there, that really proved to me there's a need for this. And then we were able to build up our other, you know, our website and, then eventually the print magazine as well. Um, and then that was like from a digital perspective. But then in person, I would go to events. I would just put myself out there. I would talk to, I would network with people who were already in the space. And the community was a lot smaller at that point. So we kind of all knew each other. Um, and I just really built my, built my brand um, and our reputation. And then people started noticing us and knowing who we were and it was really I remember the first tasting so now we're invited to a lot of different events and tastings and things like that 
But the first big tasting I was invited to was Veggie Girl. And I don't know if you know Veggie Girl. They're like big in LA and New York and Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but they're, they're a chain. And when I first moved to LA, I was so excited about them. And then they were launching. It was right when the Beyond Burger came out, I think. And they were like doing a partnership with Beyond Burger. And they invited me to the event. And I think I had like 10,000 followers on the LA account at that time. So we were pretty small. And I was like, why did they invite me to the event? I went with my ex-boyfriend and I was like, take your nice camera, like pretend like we're, you know, <laughs> pretend like we're official, <laughs> like you're my photographer. So we like roll into the event and I was like, why did they reach out? Like I, it was that um, imposter syndrome, right? That yeah. really hit. And so then the, like the founder of Veggie Girl was there and the founder of Beyond Meat was there and I was there and I was just like some girl with an Instagram account um, from Michigan and it was just really unreal. But, but I continued putting myself in those rooms with people who were more successful than me and it just contributed to my story and to my success. Wow. And yeah, and that's, 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 that's fascinating. And, and I love the fact that you are in Los Angeles. So it's like, if you want to window into a community, you know, that's an amazing community because then you can kind of see, take pieces of that in other parts. Cause to me, that's what it's all about for me. It's about, yep creating a model, creating something, and hopefully someone else seeing that and they do that and they create that and then we can come together and, and figure out how we, you know, push this around the world. Because even outside mm -hmm. of veganism, it's like, you know, if, it, if it's not recorded or captured or the history isn't retold, it mm -hmm. disappears. So being able to see what's happening in the vegan space is to me extremely important. And on that note, you know, 2019 was a big year for veganism. I mean, it started, the year started off with the year of, you know, the, the vegan and, and I think it was the Economist magazine. And then obviously 2020, we saw a lot of people become more flexitarian because of the food shortages and what have you. So since you've launched Veg Out, what have you noticed in terms of veganism? Like what's been in your impression on the growth of it as a lifestyle? It has just exploded. When I went vegan nine, 10 years ago, if I had known about all of these products that exist today and all of these restaurants, not even 100% vegan restaurants, but like Carl's Jr., Del Taco, Burger King, all these fast food chains offering plant-based options, I would have not. I mean, KFC launched something. I remember protesting KFC as a vegetarian kid with PETA, you know, back in the day in Louisville where their headquarters was. And so like for them to launch a plant-based option, sure, they might not be ethical, but just for them to even do that was mind blowing. Like that was crazy for me to see. And I never thought I'd see the day. So just even in the past couple years, like you said, it's just, it's exploded and it's going to continue growing. And I think we don't really have any other option at this point. People know, I mean, most people, there are people who deny it, but most people realize like the environment is not in good shape. We've got to do something to fix this to at least help this. And um, veganism is a great way to do that. And, and so also people's health, I think people are realizing, you know, I don't want any animal products for my health. And now companies are following and it's it's pretty amazing. So the small companies to the large companies, I feel like if people aren't offering plant based options at this point, they're really behind the times and they're really missing out. So people just, there's no other option. You've got to jump on board. If you're a company, you've got to jump on board. You've got to offer something vegan at this point. I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't think you're really gonna succeed in the future if you don't adapt. So 
people are demanding it. Companies are are meeting that demand, and it's only going to grow from here. And then this this will be the the last thing I want to talk about because it's a huge topic that comes up a lot in the vegan community, and sometimes we're not actually talking about it, but it's in our space, and it's mm-hmm. the role of compassion and veganism. And and this is not just for people who aren't eating, who are eating meat, but just in general. What mm-hmm. role do you feel compassion plays and um, what has been your experience in either receiving it or not receiving it in certain situations? Yeah, compassion needs to be at the forefront of any social justice movement. Um, it needs to be it, it needs to be the primary driver. And I, I feel a lot of sadness when I think about our own community, the vegan community, over, you know, the last year or so, um, especially last summer during the George Floyd protests. Um, there was somewhat of a division in the community and in, I think, in the world or in the country. Um, and it was, it, to me, it makes no sense. Like, if you have compassion for animals, you should have compassion for people, hands down. And you should have compassion for, you know, people of all types, um, all colors, all, you know, sexualities, everything. And so um, we've got to lead with compassion. We've got to lead with love. And there's just no place in the movement for people who come in with, you know, with hate and with with negative things to say. Um, It's all about compassion. That's where it starts. That's where it ends. That's, I mean, that's that's the way we're going. Um, and I know in, in the community we've built, uh, there's no, we have no tolerance for, you know, I used to allow oh conversations on our Instagram posts and all that. Now it's like, if, if you're, if you're hating, you're out, you're blocked, you're delete, your comments deleted. Um, there's, there's no room for that. There's really no room for that. Uh, there's enough hate in the world today that we need to create spaces that are inclusive, safe for everyone and compassionate. So I'm 100% in agreement with that. And, but what I've come, my challenge lately has been in practicing that compassion, where does it start and where does it end? So, and also how do you practice the compassion without it becoming complacency? So if in this particular instance, if someone is showing negativity or they're, you're not, not being compassionate towards a certain ethnic group or a certain you know, group of people, Mm-hmm. Then to me, I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I'm talking about practicing compassion, then where's my compassion for this person that right. is, is saying this? But then, you know, the struggle is then, okay, then what's that line between me being compassionate for what this person is going through? Because a lot of it stems from fear, you know, right. fear of the unknown. So how do I be compassionate for them and not advocate or endorse the hatred that they're putting towards the community that I am actively, you know, curating and supporting. And that's, that's kind of where I'm stuck right now, where it's like, my heart tells me to be compassionate to everyone, but not accept not, but that doesn't mean I accept what they're doing. So, you know, that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah. And that's, that's really interesting. And I think um, that's, it's such a good point. I think there, there's a balance between, there's a balance between being compassionate, being a kind person, being loving, um, but to also stand firm in your beliefs and not tolerate that type of behavior. Because I, I'm like you. It's like I I like to understand where people are coming from. Um, I like to see, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. 
Um, but I think we like stand, standing firm. I'm like, this is not acceptable, but still being compassionate toward that person. Um, I think it can coexist. Yeah, I mean, thank you for engaging with me on that conversation, because really, you know, at the core of this podcast, I want to know what people are up to. I want to know what they're creating, but I feel like there's topics that are out there that we get to address from our different perspectives, you know, different geography, different whatever the situation Mm -hmm. is that if someone's listening in on, they can maybe find a peace of mind or, you know, refine their perspective, because ultimately we're the result of our experiences. And as we continue to grow and meet new people, especially with cool things like podcast and Zoom and all these, which maybe people are burnt out by now, but still, hey, you get to meet some cool people. Um, I, I find that really refreshing. But um, I want to thank you so much for coming on to our podcast, for doing what you do. You're an inspiration for a lot of people. You're an inspiration for me to kind of see what, you know, what's what's out there if you keep on going forward and pushing forward. But um, the last thing I'm going to ask you to do, and we do this with all of our guests is we're going to close out on you sharing a message with our audience. This could be a message on anything that you want, but we just ask that, you know, it comes from your heart and you just just let out whatever's there. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind, um, which has been a topic that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, um, don't compare yourself to people on social media. Social media can be a tough place and and you can easily go into a spiral of comparison. Um, And it just causes you to feel badly about yourself. Don't do it. You know, people are not posting their sad moments. They're not posting their failures. So feel good about where you are. Feel good about, you know, where you're at in your journey and continue being you authentically. And you're doing great. Don't be so hard on yourself. I wish someone had told me that like 10 years ago. Um, so yeah, and thank you for listening. Thank you for having me on the podcast. This has been great. It's um, it's just, uh, it's always nice talking to other people in the, in the media world and to other vegans um, who are passionate about the movement and, and creating that change that is so necessary. You are listening to the SoFlo Vegans podcast with Sean Russell.
sweet yam fries with the green hallelujah. Careful how you season and prepare your foods, cause you don't wanna lose vitamins and minerals, and that's the jewel. Life brings life, it's valuable. So I eat what come from the ground, it's natural. Let your food be your medicine, no accelerant. Strictly herb generates from the sun, cause I got melanin and drink water. Eight glasses a day. Cause that's what they say <laughs> They say you are what you eat So I strive to eat healthy My goal in life is not to be rich or wealthy Cause true wealth comes from good health and wise ways We gotta start taking better care of ourselves They say you are what you eat So I strive to eat healthy My goal in life is not to be rich or wealthy Cause true wealth comes from good health and wise ways We gotta start taking better care of ourselves Be healthy, y'all so we'd like to thank Maggie Ortlip from Veg Out Magazine for joining us today. We also want to give a huge shout out to Dead Prez for their song Be Healthy. That's the that's the tune that you heard today. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We're going to be putting in new features, different things. But one of the things we really want to do is we want to hear from you guys. So if you want to shoot us a message, contact at SoFloVegans.com. Let us know what you think about the show ask a question give us some feedback all that good stuff contact at soflowvegans.com or you can go to our official page soflowvegans.com slash podcast for ways of interacting with the show and uh, another shout out to seed food and wine we're excited about this year's event if you have any idea of coming down to south florida november 3rd through the 7th would be the perfect time come check them out and use code soflowvegans20 to get 20 percent off your tickets towards the burger battle seed summit the tasting village and the sunday brunch so we have a exciting season coming up we decided we're going to be releasing on mondays for this foreseeable future so you can always tune in and check it out if not just go to soflowvegans.com slash podcast and you can find out when future episodes are coming out and speaking of future episodes if you go to our vault as a logged in member you will be able to hear some episodes before they're released so hey it's Christmas early for everybody. So tune in next time when we come out with a new episode of the podcast. And thank you so much for listening. Today's episode was produced and edited by Sean Russell. Our associate producer is Lauda Gomez. To become a sponsor, please visit soflowvegans.com slash promo for more details. Ah!